Today's episode is brought to you by Birdwell Beach Britches. Buy less stuff by buying better stuff. In 1961, Carrie Birdwell Mann transformed her living room into a sewing room and a makeshift retail store, and in doing so started one of the first businesses to specialize in surfwear. 59 years later, and every stitch is still sewn in the Santa Ana factory and backed by a lifetime guarantee. Quality is their gimmick. They have a new line of limited edition board shorts being stitched right now. My favorite being the white board shorts with orange waistband, the Mr. Toots signature board short that you see him wearing on the cover of the Surfer's Journal last year. Our promo code with Birdwell is the word SURF, and it'll save you 10% off at checkout. Birdwell.com, promo code SURF. Wear the trunks for a couple of decades and then pass them down to your kids. They are that high quality. Birdwell.com, promo code SURF. For a guy with such an iconic surname, Akila Aipa is a bit of a phantom. He has no EOS entry. If you Google him, you'll find two surfboard reviews of guys riding his twin fins, one Beach Grid article from the past year stating that you can get a board from Akila by emailing him, and then it lists his email address. Since that article was published, Akila has launched a slick but simple website that showcases the surfboards that he builds along with an about page with a four-paragraph bio and one paragraph on his shaping philosophy. But that is pretty much all you can find. As I prepared for this chat, I found myself with the exact same perspective on Aquila that I had 22 years ago, when he was a professional surfer and technically part of the Momentum generation. I say technically because he was kind of a peripheral figure, but someone who I always wanted to see more of. He possessed all the talent to be a central figure, but seemed to shirk the limelight, or perhaps just not vie for it. And if you're in a group of 12 of the best surfers in the world surfing for one cameraman on the beach, then you'd certainly have to demand your place in the ranks. And as a result, Aquila would only make an appearance in an occasional Taylor Steele film. And what I saw was always radical, full speed, full rail, but with a certain elegance. As is often the case, elusiveness breeds interest, and Aquila's subtle authority is precisely why I wanted to see more of him. He'd occasionally show up in a magazine, again, full rail blast or maybe lounging through a pit at back door. And as my awareness of surf history increased, I became aware of his father, Ben Ipa, and I presumed the paternal connection. Ben was born in Honolulu in 1942, but he didn't start surfing until an ankle injury ended his semi-pro football career in his early 20s. He surfed every single day of 1965, which presumably helped him develop enough prowess because he won the Hawaiian Inner Island Championship the following year and then finaled at the Duke Classic at Sunset Beach. In 1970, he began building surfboards, working with test pilots Buttons, Kaluyo Kalani, and Larry Bertelman to invent the double-ended swallowtail and the split rail sting. The boards of the era were already shrinking in length and becoming more maneuverable, 
but these design features made them radically maneuverable. At 250 pounds, the former linebacker set the standard on the North Shore and South Shore for putting power into a turn. In 1972, Surfer Magazine stated, quote, there's a silently powerful presence about Ben Ipa. But Jerry Lopez might have put it even better by saying, quote, when you see Ben coming, don't think, just get out of the way. Those quotes, by the way, are thanks to Matt Warshaw's Encyclopedia of Surfing. So drawing from his sporting background, Ben Ipa translated that work ethic and strategic approach into coaching young surfers, including standouts Sonny Garcia, Brad Gerlach, Kalani Robb, and the Irons Brothers. All of those things, the shaping surfboards, the coaching, the quiet confidence, have all been imbued through his son and today's guest, Akila Ipa. But between the early 2000s, when I saw Akila in magazines and surf films, he had all but disappeared from my awareness, and certainly from surf media, until last year when Kelly Slater himself put on the best performance of his 2019 season in Bali, riding a couple of hand-shaped boards built by Akila. We all expect Kelly to shine when the waves get good anywhere on tour, but with a meager forecast in Bali, Kelly surprised skeptics, including myself, and looked the freshest and most energetic that we have seen him in years in small waves. He finished third in that contest, taking down Owen Wright, and then former event champ Michelle Berez and Felipe Toledo in the best heat of the event in the quarterfinals before losing to eventual event winner Kanoa Igarashi in the semifinals. So that one happening, Kelly Slater writing Aquila's boards inspired that Beach Grit article that Google directed me to. The article dissected the board designs, high-performance twins, which really piqued my interest. And apparently it piqued a lot of people's interest because Aquila has been very busy fulfilling orders ever since. So I was thrilled at this opportunity to fill in all of the gaps of my awareness of Aquila and to learn that he's been quietly building upon his family legacy by continuing to work with Hawaii's youth, not just in an effort, by the way, to progress their surfing, but I'll let him tell you all about that. And he'll also tell you about how his boards are firmly rooted in traditional design, i.e. the fish, but they're highly modernized without his father's famed swallowtail. And also, I owe a word of quick thanks to Jason Lee of Kalia Surfboards on the South Shore of Oahu. You can check him out on Instagram. He's actually one of the only shapers I know um, doing asymmetrical boards on Oahu. But he is the one who put me into contact with Aquila. He vouched for me to make this conversation happen. So Kalea Surfboards is K-O-L-E-A Surfboards on Instagram. So check him out and give him a follow. Tell him that you heard about him here. And um, Aquila and I recorded this conversation in cinematographer Larry Haynes' guest house just off Sunset Beach on Oahu. Aquila came over and as we said our greetings, I turned on the mics discreetly, so it picks us up in the middle of a conversation talking about Board Porn's Instagram account. So I will let you enter the conversation here, and without further ado, my name is David Scales, and here is my conversation with Akila Ipa. Enjoy. I 
stay out there and surf with him. Like I met him out there. We surfed together. He's such a cool, passionate dude, you know. And I, I love know. that. I mean, and, and he's honest about him not being an expert level surfer. He's not trying to be. No. You know, he's just a passionate dude, and his page ended up blowing up. And and I thank him all the time when he posts my boards. And I think it's so cool because it's such a freaking powerful platform. Totally. That visibility. So let's say his circulation is two hundred and ten thousand right now. That's almost as big as surfer ever was in its heyday. Three hundred thousand. Sure publication pieces or whatever they're doing and then it's instantaneous now exactly so i mean that that kind of if you don't think that's powerful it's crazy not to be aware of that guaranteed he's moving boards i i feel the effect for sure yeah yeah for sure um all right so we'll just get started uh and again project into the mic more than you were when we were just speaking okay let's talk about growing up as ben ipa's son i'm sure everybody starts there wants to know that but that's how is that fun yeah unique fun was um, he as much of an icon when you were a son as he's become in the not not i got to see him become everything from being you know my my dad had i guess me not early but a little later so in his eyes and i feel like sort of this this time vault or time capsule for surfing because i got to see the evolution of boards going from 11 to 10 to 9 8 7 6 5 fives you know uh, so yeah. when they started chasing it hard to watch that happen right in front of my eyeballs in front of in our home and see the evolution of board design it, it was just so neat and mm-hmm. then to see not just the surfing part of it but on the back end of it part where people didn't see was my dad as a mentor to these kids trying to consume their time by taking the skateboarding too you know so you know one thing about hawaii is not many di- not different from many other places that kids grow up really fast here on the street, you know, whether you're Waikiki or West Side, or I don't care what side you're on. So there's a lot of outside influences that, that steer kids wrong like other places. So I think my dad tried to provide a, a, a platform for the kids to keep them with a direction rather than watch them go in three directions. And I know that that was part of the reason in the case. So to have those guys in our home and our lifestyle and then the skateboard with them and to, to watch my dad go through kind of a mentorship and then evolve into coaching and then board design board evolution is pretty cool to to see that as a kid and then watching my dad coach and then uh judge all the triple crowns out here you know from the inception of professional surfing i basically grew up in the stands at all the triple crowns you know in the judges stand back when i could freely go up and hang out with the spotter i could hang out with the head judge i'd look over his shoulder because there's it was an open stand and my dad was judging so i was free to roam up there you know so really fun to be in that environment before it was so sterile kind of like it is now for sure you know so yeah i had no idea about the skateboarding <clears throat> detail your dad skated too my dad skated some but he more or less he even shaped the boards and made the boards out of wood there are many surfboards i didn't know that and and so my favorite photo of my whole life and it's i've lost it in four or five moves now but it was a black and white photo at hawaii kai elementary of of buttons on my left, Mark Liddell on my right, we're all Papa Wheelie grinding the back of your skateboard with the two front wheels up and the back wheels on the ground, but all three of us are on handmade wooden boards with my dad's logo glass on the bottom, bottoms mm-hmm. with the boards hand shaped by him. I'm not sure in what class or what or wood, because I used to go to schools and do seminars shaping board building, and and I'm not sure where the wooden um, skateboards came from where I didn't I don't remember seeing my dad make those at the time but I just remember riding them and then the Wallows part where I, Animal Chin and all these skaters had such a big influence from guys like Buttons and all those guys skateboarding Wallows and to grow up there and 
remembering the grass tube and watching these guys drop in and skateboarding and basically they were surfing the pavement because they're that surf psyched and stoked mm-hmm. and when the waves sucked that was their other outlet so i think my dad tried to just keep it positive for these kids because there a lot of them got sucked into other things real quick you know growing up fast for sure mm-hmm. um were those cape skateboards sold commercially at all i mean i don't no, remember I don't even seeing them ever they're Never. just for friends, basically. Yeah. And I, I wish they were because, well, they w- he didn't put the stings on them. He didn't put the wings on them. I don't think you know, he didn't yeah. have that kind of time. But pretty cool that we're, we were that passionate about skateboarding. And then some of my youngest memories of going to California is my dad dragging me to skate parks, looking up the hill, looking at these snake runs, and just seeing guys going whoosh, 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 all the way down the hill. And it was the coolest thing ever because... I said the surf wasn't always good in California, so right. you look up and they had the stairs on the side, and guys would be just doing laps, you know, after yeah. laps. And then, unfortunately, I think that was what the early seventies as a Grom, and then I think mid seventies is when oh, you guys are vagrants. Those are how those are terrible places for kids to be, yada yada. And they started breaking them all down, unfortunately. But when I was young, I was pretty sure they're everywhere, and you knew how to find all those little like trains that had all the runs all the places that had the snake run parks it was mm-hmm. it was the thing to do before skate parks i think yeah almost backyard were, pools yeah, that were emptied out and that stuff too yeah. but no there are these runs I, I don't know what parks they were called or what runs they were but they're they're amazing like i said as a kid you look up you know on this little hill and guys are just like basically surfing the hill down and right and, and that snake run thing it's yeah pretty pretty dope to see um what did your dad expect of you i mean considering that he's kind of fostering a lot of youth and guiding them how did he treat you as a kid was he your coach surfing he did he coach. expect you to become a uh, board shaper i don't know what he expected of me because he never laid that on me okay. I, I was lucky enough to just dip in, in and out and be what i wanted to be and be supported for it my competitive nature and drive was up to me and what i wanted to be but with him as a coach you know there's a dynamic there so i i'm learning to coach now and i saw how he had to separate it and me and my dad had to practice how to separate it so he was my coach at the beach but once we got home he was my father and it was nice to have that balance because in these environments now you see kids with fathers that don't know how to shut it off so even at home they're coaches so my dad was a professional coach but at home he was my father and so i was lucky and he was lucky that we had that balance so we wouldn't have to butt heads i don't want to come on talk surfing with my dad my dad made surfboards and coached he didn't want to come on talk surfing with the family my little brother and mom and family didn't want to hear that crap you know they, they it's family time Good. so we we had a surf time and a work time and then we had family time and, and like i said i think that was a nice balance for us to have as a father son coach so i'm glad to hear that i wonder about that um you see somebody like Gabriel Medina, whose dad is on the beach, or Felipe Toledo too, mm-hmm. and there's no separation. Whereas like Kaloe, at some point realized, Pops is going to be Pops, and I'm going to hire Snips to do the coaching. Well, it's you know? funny you say that. Okay, so there's a crazy dynamic there because in their professional career, pretty sure Snips and, and Dino weren't the best of buds. Right. So for Dino to let that down, to accept Snips as a professional, and know that Snips is the best professional for his son, says a lot. So a lot of dads can't let go, and and I got, got to give some dads respects because the dads get you there to a certain point. But has the dad surfed any CT events? Has he traveled and done the tour? Has he has he um, does he understand all those dynamics that comes with being a professional? Dino does, and he's willing to step away even if that's that's seen a lot. So if you're a regular dad and you see a dad that's done it all and he's still willing to step away and give it to someone, 
all that does is save his relationship with his son probably totally. he can be a dad he can wear one hat totally. all these dads like i said they're trying to be superman and wear 10 hats it's it's deteriorating on them and their relationship with their sons or their daughters from what i see and it's easy to see that when you're far when your dad you're in it you think oh no 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 i'm good and then you from afar you see how toxic it is you see them rah, rah, letting out on the kid you see the poor kid not stoked exactly you see the kid hanging their head you see the kid get in the car dad and kid don't talk you're like you see that way too common way too often mm -hmm. like, that's not what it should be so i think it's about accountability you know i'm, I'm coaching now and the parents ask me how I do it. It's not about me. It's about the kids. It's how, what do you want out of this? And what are you willing to put into it? Once you accept that, it's so much easier to deal with. That was on our responsibility when my dad coached us. And whether it was Gerlach, Sonny, whoever he was coaching, there's there's no baiting this along. You're treated as a professional. And you either come to the table as a professional or please don't come and waste anyone's time. So, you know, I think a lot of the problem with being a parent is sometimes you bring that comfort blanket along and then you don't have no when the cross that line of discipline this is work you know because then it becomes this one big blur of oh we're here it's fun you know like if it's fun great are you looking to get a result out of it is this a, your job or yeah. just training to be your job right you know it should be an internship <laughs> yeah basically to get to the real show right so back to you know like gabby and his dad and and felipe's dad on tour i don't know you know personally i look at that as weakness However, anyone else wants to see it. You know, you got your dad jumping on the in the shore break screaming like a monkey. That that cracks me up. That just tells me, wow, what? Like this is a grown man's tour. You know, like if you can't come to the table on what you're not confident enough with your tooling and your skills, is someone with pom poms really gonna do anything for you? Like I said, as a coach, I coach the student surf. I can't go out there and yell at you and yell you and will you into shit. This is a self motivating sport. If you don't got it, don't fucking come pretty simple yeah you know, and yet he has two world titles and more respect to him he's a damn good competitor he's a beast yeah you know so i don't think daddy's really doing anything for him but maybe he is he's keeping him in the moment he's doing things that we might not see and more respect to him and, and there's maybe something there that's working or it wouldn't be there and I, that's not for me to say that's for their camp to say and it's obviously working because he has it, even if titles. it's working now i'm more concerned about what the long term like can you preserve the father-son relationship behind the scenes it's great that you're winning world titles professionally so but for us but does that it, compromise it doesn't matter because it's an opinion that's only for them to say exactly because yeah. behind closed doors if they love each other and they got a great working relationship and they know when to shut it on off more power to them yeah who cares what they look like on tv yeah that can be a jumping monkey all he wants they're still winning world titles if that's working for them that's their formula yep fine yep i mean but i don't i don't know i don't think i would want to operate like that i look at the guys i I look at that inspire me like Phil Jackson and um, Jordan Popovich, you know, oh. like, like as far as coaching, like yeah, yeah. they're the last guys jumping up and down. They don't need pom poms to inspire you to do your job. They have words of wisdom and formulas. And if you can't adhere to that, don't waste their time or your time. Mm -hmm. You know. So I mean, like I said, they, I think they're pretty professional about what they're trying to do. And to me, I think they get all the hard work done in the practice sessions behind the scenes. Yeah, that's so interesting. They don't need to pop their head off in the heat of the moment. If they're your generals and they're calm in the heat of moment, I think your whole everybody falls behind that. Personally, I like that kind of, you know, in the, in the heat of moment. I like when guys can think clearly and sharply and make really good decisions. And to me, that's the signs of a pretty solid coach, like you know, like Belichick and all these guys that live in that moment that 
come out on top for the most part most times you know they're making the, the best decisions in the craziest of times because they're thinking clearly and that's pretty respectable that makes a lot of sense um, when you're using those examples because the sport those sports are so strategic surfing is a lot more nebulous and you're dealing with mother nature and it's harder to create strategy so when um i first started seeing coaches i don't know in the last decade they've become a lot more prominent certainly on the ct level i questioned it because i'm like what can like kaloa is a way better surfer than snips at most waves maybe not big waves but what can snips provide for kaloa i don't want to barge in but Okay, Kolohe might be a way more progressive and technical surfer than the Snips ever was, but Snips might have been a way more better competitor than Kolohe will ever be. So that's what I'm getting at, okay. is what does the coach provide? And I know every coach has a different strategy. Glenn, micro hall strategy is different mm-hmm. than Snips, but mm-hmm. what is your kind of philosophy on coaching? What are you providing for athletes when you work with them? My philosophy, personally? Yeah. It's my dad's philosophy, so I feel like I'm just... I'm second generation because of a lot of this is my dad's foundation and I'm merely evolving what he shared with us and inspired us to be as athletes. So in a simple sense, it's it's the four P's, position, priority, possession, performance. If you break it down to the simplest terms, position, where are you out there? Possession or priority, where are you in the line of getting that wave? Are you going to possess the wave and can you perform on that wave? Complete ride. Pretty simple. So. When I work with these kids in the um, practice sense, we work on many things, whether it's technical, whether it's strategy, but when, when they go on into that element, we don't want them thinking, we want them on cruise control to execute in the four Ps. I tell the kids all the time, you play the game in the four Ps and you win that game, you pretty much make every heat. You, you, you win your positioning game, you win your priority game, you possess the best wave in that heat and you perform on it, you're pretty much gonna win 80% of any heat you surf. You tick those boxes. And all those boxes ticks means you've built your foundation, you improve the scores that you started upon with. Like I said, my students know if you get a six, you're not catching a wave to get a five, four, or three. Mm-hmm. That's not gonna help you. So there's stuff you have to learn to think through and that, that's only provided through practice sessions. You know, the practice yeah. guides us there and we even have controlled practices. This isn't gonna, gonna go out, kids don't go out with no nothing in mind or no aim to get there. You know, we have a 20 minute warm up. We have three 20 minute heats back to back and then we have a 20-minute warm-down, and we're done. You know, we don't need to stay out there for eight hours grinding and things unless we're working on the technical side of surfing. Like I said, in our normal little practices, they're, they're pretty controlled, and we're trying to get stuff out of them rather than, you know, aimlessly thinking you're surfing and getting anything out of that without, without a controlled environment or, or living in the real environment that you're going to have to live in the moment the horn blows. Right. So... A lot of what you're talking about, I don't golf, but it reminds me of what I've heard people talk about golf, where it's like, f- learn the mechanics, think about the mechanics of the swing, but as soon as you address the ball, relinquish all of those thoughts and just let muscle memory take over, because you can overthink it. Easier said than done. So For sure. I, I'm a totally. high handicapper. I love a game of golf. I love golf because it, it's a, to me, it's a great compliment to surfing. It's a lot like surfing. You've got to put in a lot to get a little out. You know, you got to put in some hard years to get past those learning stages. Like you want to learn to hit a, draw, a low draw or a high fade or yada yada. Put work. You want to learn to move the ball. You got to put the time in on the range or out there practicing that shot, and then to be able to execute it in the element called for. So, so yes, I mean, there's a technical side to it that you need to learn, and all this effort you got to put into it just enjoy it in its simplest form. Mm-hmm. So when you see people in the surfing world going through those learning stages, you should have 
only the utmost respect for them because that's the hardest part and mm -hmm. if you can let your pride and ego go and get past that you're going to get so much joy out of it so kind of like golf you know once you get past the overthinking and overdoing this and you actually go out there with the swing that you have and you start enjoying the courses you play a whole probably different reality than from struggling being a you know a hundred shooter and a 90 shooter to getting to your mid 80s and yeah you know, probably 70s i mean that's a dream reality for most people but like right. or being an expert level surfer kind of totally so i think if everyone is realistic about their day-to-day -day things are so busy with life and work and probably family that i think they're most people are intermediate level golfers and surfers so we want if you can be smart enough to get the proper tooling and education and coaching i think people get much more out of that nowadays because those platforms are there from on many levels yeah in our even in our industry like i said golf before was was they're they're so far ahead because they have these performance houses where oh let's tool you with the clubs let's tool you with your swing let's video you and then let's get you on the course and get you better there's finally surf performance centers that are kind of offering that well let's help you get a better board let's help you with get a better technique let's help you get more out of your surfing so it's pretty neat mm -hmm. that it's come like you said it's come full circle our sport like you said my dad was so far out there being a coach you know and now like everyone it's the norm to be on tour and have a coach and this generation is much more open to being coached than like let's say uh ross williams and a shane dorian and, yeah. and kelly slater they were so talented they got away with so much talent that they didn't almost need coaching not that they didn't need it sure probably could help them but like you know they, they were highly talented and that that kind of can eliminate some of the flaws of 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 competitive flaws that you can have yeah <laughs> when you have a talent that shines that great yeah for sure so you know you get those two guys those most of those guys in two good waves oh they're gonna post eights sunny you know a lot of guys on tour they got no problem with that and then you got guys that snips that would outwork you out think you out hustle hustle you because i tell guys in our generation probably there was no priority it was a straight dog fight from the moment that horn was started to the moment it ended it was ugly it was shitty I look at these kids, I'm so envious. I'm like, bro, you can pick the best two A's and you're running around like a chicken without a head. How dumb do you look to come out of that heat without two eights? Right. Hello? You don't, you, bro, we have to live and die in 15 minutes in three waves. You know how many times I lost to Damien and Barton? Yep. <sighs> Terrible. <laughs> but, you know, like I said, Macaulay, Damien, Barton, those guys are Icemen. They're going to put up three sevens every time, just out compete you, outthink you, outwork you, unflustered. Yeah. Here we go. Da, 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 da. I don't care whether in West Oz, East Oz, East Brazil. It's just they they they, they do it. You know. Uh, what was your experience as a pro surfer? Did you enjoy it? In the moment, were you able to? Were you earning, yeah. earning enough money no, to make it worthwhile? Not like, at all. Okay. But I wasn't my. I wasn't inspired by money or, or points. You know, Makes growing, it easier, growing up with my dad. No, nah, yeah, no, I made it harder because I didn't have the contracts and the luxuries that my friends had from their contracts. That's what I mean. The money makes it a little easier oh, to enjoy. Sure. It's security. Yeah. But that, but my trade made it easier for me. So instead of me having to look for a sponsor, I was making surfboards. You were doing that at the same time? Pretty as much. As you were traveling but, and yeah, pro surfing? Yeah, I, you know, I mean, what? So let's say I started shaping in 88 and I was 18 in 88. So my shaping came along with my career. So by the time I was blossoming as a semi-pro surfer, I had the kind of little backdoor board career too that I didn't have to worry about going, oh, if this guy doesn't sign me, I'm not going to go to this trip. I had the luxury of going anywhere I wanted, anytime I wanted, without having to, to worry about what my um, sponsor said. Yeah. So I had a freedom that some of my friends might have had, and they had, they had to get points to, have for, to keep their paychecks you know, and, and ratings, mm -hmm. respectfully so. So would you build boards around the world when you were I going was, places? I was. I was building boards for Japan, um, East Coast, West Coast, and it offered me financial stability where I didn't have to go and, and like, you know, 
have to sign with a sponsor that I didn't want to work with or didn't give me the freedoms or would put a uh, pressure on me saying, we want you to be on tour, or we need points, or you need this to define who you are. So I had a, a little bit of freedom through my trade of shaping that my dad taught me, and I'm so fortunate that he shared with me that early, teaching me, hey, have a plan B. Yeah. You know, like if this pro thing doesn't work out, you don't want to go into construction or something too late and have to play catch up. And that was some great advice from my dad. So when the winds would get like this, you know, we're 17, 18, the winds would get like this and friends started hanging out doing nothing. I jumped in the factory with my dad and I did my apprenticeship. Those 15 years of goofball shit, my friends were kind of doing their thing. Like I said, they're, they're serving junkie stuff. I was more selective with conditions and these guys are grinding, doing QSOs and tours. And instead of that, I'll, I just, you know, put that time in with, with the trade and my dad. So, um, yeah, lo- lucky that I got to see the world with my buddies and the, and I got to do it my way and actually enjoy competing, enjoy the countries I was in, enjoy the time I spent with my friends and not get so stressed out that I was worried about what what my image was in magazines or what it was with sponsors or worry about movie parts back then, which a lot of guys, like I said, that was all your credentials. Yeah. You know, who's got the ending part of Taylor Steele's movie, you know? So, I mean, that was so, that was so important for so many guys. Yeah. I mean, I remember my most of my memories of you as a professional surfer were shots in the magazine in Hawaii. Um, but I know that you also finished runner-up in the U.S. championships as well. So obviously you had a um, competitive career. How I still remember that heat to the ocean side. I fell on no one way. wave that I slipped, my back foot slipped off. Like if I completed that ride, I would have won the U.S. championships. But like could have, should have, would have. I mean, we all have little competitive you know, heats like that. But Who was it against? Who won it? I don't know. I almost want to say like Brandy Faber and another kid, or maybe th- who else was in that final? I'm not sure. I, I do you know years and years and years of contests as an amateur world amateur events in Japan and Puerto Rico. Like I said, to do all that stuff is really fun because we grew up in that. We grew up doing contests. My dad was the coach for the Hawaiian World Team for all those events. You know, so it's like it was just natural to be around all that environment, all those contests, and to compete. So. But it also didn't engulf me, you know, because my main mentor outside of all this was Ral Sun, and she was a, she did it all. And but what was most important to her was the people, the cultures, the countries, and she told me that's all I'm ever gonna remember. I'm not gonna remember points of money, and I'm really glad she taught me that at an early age. So I was able to really enjoy the countries I was in, and, and like I said, I had early relationships with Luke Egan, Matt Hoy. We would drive from Gold Coast down the Bells, like I would. I think one of the greatest experiences for me is that I was kind of in a middle generation where I could dive into many group, different groups on the tour. Not many guys have that luxury or freedom. Like I could travel with Luke and Hoyle, and then I could travel with Snips and Boothy, and then I could travel with Shana Ross, and then I could travel with Sonny and Shmoo and Kaipo, and then I could travel with Bruce and Andy. You know, like these are, we all grew up together. So I, I was think I was one of the few people that could dive in all these circles, respectively so, because those are all my friends and we all grew up with this foundation and pedigree and competitive surfing. Yeah. And that was our glue, you know, so it was our brotherhood or whatever. So, I mean, it was pretty cool that I like to think that I'm one of the few guys that we're all friends, but I really like to think they're all my friends. Like I said, I hung with, I could, you know, I love traveling with Boothy and Snips and, and those guys, those guys are more professional than most, you know, like I said, super prepared, super focused, super competitive. And I, I respected that, the shit out of that. Yeah. And then I had other friends who were super goofy, super fun, super partying. That's fine. Mm-hmm. You know, and that doesn't mean I did it or, but they're still my friends. are still around it. You know, mm-hmm. but I mean, I, I just d- jumped into many groups with many guys because I love people. Yeah. You know, I love the places I had. So to me, that was my greatest experience was enjoying 
those places with the groups of people I did. What did the transition out of it look like? How did you decide that uh, retirement from competitive surfing? It was was ugly, to tell the truth. I struggled with it, and it, it... it rolled over into my personal life and it and I lost my partner because I didn't know how to respect going into that relationship because I my lifestyle caught up with me of oh I'm a I'm a pro surf dork and I paddle around I, I travel around and everywhere we go we're cool you know so it's like that's got to stop sometime and when you meet a woman that deserves that and demands that respect you have to wake up and meet that person halfway which I wasn't willing to do or able to do uh, and so it was a really humbling process to go through and you know, and not really fun in any way. Um, what was the moment that you knew that retirement was imminent? Like, were you just not getting results? Well, here's or? the thing. It's not a, I don't know if we ever retire. So, like, in our little pro surfing world, you can still do events, and then we don't have the older... We don't have a champions tour, but... Look at Kelly, he's still relevant. So, I mean, you know, Shane, you know, uh, the group of guys I surround myself with, when, when do you say stop? Because we all kept ourselves in pretty good shape. We all surf at a pretty high level. We can still jump into almost any heat on any part of the tour and make probably half the heats and post higher scores than half the, no, I don't want to say that anymore, but level's really high. But for a while there, like, some of these events, all you gotta do is come up and snap in barrels and you're gonna get eights where these guys are fumble, mumble, jumble, I don't know what they're seeing out there. So hard to know when to stop and let go and walk away i wish that's why i wish there was a championship tour for us guys over 50 that still want to play around there's still beautiful venues and you know look at the seniors tour in the golf it's Mm -hmm. it's a wonderful way to stay competitive and stay traveling and stay culture stay lifestyle and that's what most of us miss most of us miss each other you know and the system the system's fun if it can be you know i mean it should be better you know these events should be better it should it should be shootout culmination scoring you know like because let's say day three of the event was the best and you get two tens you should be rewarded to keep that 10 throughout the event that's prestigious totally you're the standout surfer on that day that that was the gnarliest and if you got three tens that day then now you should carry that to your total score line because that should mean something but so i think i think these events need restructuring that's just my personal thought yeah. and opinion after watching pro surfing my whole life you know i just think like there's they gotta infuse a little more talent in there and it's gotta be a little more fun to watch right now it's just semi freaking dull well it drags on so long we don't i really don't think we need 32 surfers either like there well, we need be more but it should be more of a format that we're watching more because it's the same 32 and we're watching the same 12 be the same 12 that's, that's the point yeah. the bottom half is you turn the heat off they you rarely just step up totally. that's the problem totally you know and every once in a while they do yay great like it's not enough yeah. you know like so we want to see the best guy just challenged more and i don't know how you can infuse a little more talent in there and i think platform to get there is so tough like our day was rad 125 start you know you show up in japan four days of trials five days of rounds i mean it was kind of a shit show but totally. but it was a fair go and only the top 16 was seated back then you know so i was like it was made it prestigious to be seated you know and, and yeah. so i don't know it, it's it's different now for sure and, and it's come a long way and it's much more lucrative so there's nothing I don't think there's anything to complain or whine about on those guys' level when they get get there. Really, I mean, you know, besides the system, can be probably a little, be a little better for them. I want to talk more about your transition out of the competitive pro surfing because I think a lot of people are ill-equipped to make that transition, and you have a career path with board building, mm-hmm. but a lot of people um, don't have any skill. They haven't developed any other skill sets, especially if they were being coached from a really young age. And the other detail at play now is um, those big money contracts are 
around less and less, especially with the Hurley deal that just sure. went down. Sure. So you kind of have guys making millions of bucks, and then you have guys making less than 100K trying to live around the going around the world on that money. And if their career lasts eight years, even if they made okay money during that eight years, it's not enough to really set up a life after the fact. And if they didn't have any skill sets developed, now they're 32, wayward, used to kind of being the local celebrity from their small town. Sure. What does life look like well, afterwards? Well, you know, and I know what it looked like for the most part. You're the sales rep. <laughs> totally. Right? Totally. Because people want to buy shit from a surfer. So that's dying too. Companies are going more vertical. You know, it, so, so yeah, that job's still there, but yeah, is that the one dimensional job that you want to be as a pro surfer in the back end of it? No. Um, I see evolution. I see, so on our end of things, being inspired by what you're asking, you know, I, I have help now, and we're trying to, these guys are trying to help me, and yada yada real fast, but I'm trying to, in my dad's legacy, we're trying to do a surf academy. Um, and in that surf academy, we're trying to uh, provide full mentorship program. So besides your kid coming into our program being a better surfer, he should know how to speak. He should know how to read his contracts. He should know how to talk to his CPA. He should know how to manage his own money in his account. You know, so what we, we, we want to provide a platform where s these things weren't provided for us. And sometimes knowing this can save you from getting taken advantage of. It's just, it's just. Um, knowledge knowledge is powerful right totally so it keeps your agent true whoever's fighting for you and it, it just builds awareness so we're like i said for us what's most important is building re return upon investment for family or 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 whoever's supporting you so like i said the, the kid coming out of our program is going to be well equipped with a plan b and c and he should be pretty prepared for society and community not everyone's gonna be a pro surfer our main concern is the kids coming back coming to society and community amazing i think that's pretty fantastic pretty, so, so i don't know what other programs are there, but i hope that they're starting to evolve and provide a full platform because like i said all these academies yeah we can you know glenn micro i'm sure you can teach your kid how to rip but is your kid coming out of these um establishments better for self better for community better for family to me i'm really going to shine when the parents come to me go hey thank you my son's doing so much better in school he re looks us in the eye he's talking to us better he re respects his family better we're even telling his, his teachers are even telling us he's better to me that would be winning you know and then of course he's ripping on top of that because we're going to give him the tools the path and the knowledge to be a ripper of course but just being a ripper isn't enough nowadays not at all so so you know and that's another part we're we're, we're sharing with kids you know um I, sh I use this as an example with one of the kids I'm working with right right now. When you watch Kelly Slater in an interview after a heat, he's pretty darn articulate and he's pretty eloquent. And that's pretty much why he gets a five-minute interview. He'll build the heat for you. This is how it started. This is what happened, pretty, if you can. And if, if there was a storyline to that heat, he, he'll pretty much break it down. I can't say that for everyone else. You get no. a lot of uhs and does. Yeah, um, well, I caught the two best ways, obviously. Yeah, um, well, you know, it's, it's yeah. nothing. Yeah. You know, and they wonder why. So if I'm Toyota of America and I'm watching this and I'm watching investment dollars, who do you think I'm going to spend it on? The guy wearing the hat for five minutes or 30 seconds? So I tell the kids all the time, like, hey, you might have won the heat or the event, but did you really win in the moment that... If I'm the dollars, I'm watching because this ain't it ain't Billabong and Quicksilver anymore. We're talking Lululemon or whatever mainstream it is now because that's where the Instagram dollars really are. Yep. Because they're more vertical companies compared to our little 
bullshit world. Yeah. So the kids got to evolve and adjust too if they want to tap that mainstream money. And if you can't speak in that element and you can't talk like a Roger Federer, you don't look good in that moment, I don't think the dollars are going to follow that. I agree. Personally. I think you're... Um the way that you're structuring the mentoring business is really smart because the reason why Kelly is the best surfer in the world is because he has a bunch of other interests in life. It's because he's not just surfing 12 hours a day. He has all of these inputs that he's receiving and it makes him a more multifaceted human being. And he, that reflects he's evolved his with his outlets where it, that exactly. kind of stuff could break you. He, he's, he's executing and it makes him a better smarter thinker Agreed. and he's not consumed by the surfing thing anymore but when he was consumed by it slitting throat stepping on necks he was winning titles too so at some point he's gonna have to come back to that one reality yeah that's the most important thing and, and maybe it's not the most important thing because he's evolved so much more as a person that it, if it was the most important thing the results would follow it on tour that'd be Agreed. the only thing to him so he's got a lot of other interests at this yeah point. obviously but, but even john john it's like He's into sailing. He's into photography. He's got all these other things. And I think that reflects in the creativity of his surfing. Mm -hmm. Whereas you see people who are brought up with just competing all the time, maybe with the coaching and all that, where everything is handled for them outside of their time in the water. So they're just focused on time in the water. Their surfing becomes actually really mechanical and not interesting. Well, let's who can we use like that for example? Adriana like Adriana, I was going to say that without you said before. For then, sure. And then there's another young Hawaiian that I think of, Keanu Singh. Yep. I think of him just as a pure competitive machine. Do I ever see him smiling and enjoying surf chips and enjoying surfing? He, I look at him as a hardworking grinder and all the respect, respect in the world for to sure. him. And, and that's fine, but I don't know. I, I, that, that never inspired it doesn't inspire the judges. Or the any. judges watch it and they're just like... But I don't know if that has to inspire the judges. The judges just have to do their job, job, yeah. job and judge it. So the problem is the judging. It, it should be broken down into disciplines. We should eliminate the God-like totally. structure up there. And then we should be judged on five disciplines and there should be a cumulative score. That way the guy's not... There's wavering between, was that a 667 knowing he needed a 665 totally or a 664? Because it's too subjective right now. Well, Kelly's eight is is everyone's twelve. Exactly. You know what I mean? It's still a curve that people aren't seeing. It's straight up there well, is. Well, it's also the surf. The judges are surfers. They came from surfing, and they all have a favorite surfer. Okay, how can no, you no, not? That's a problem. They did. A Here's heat. a good and bad thing. They did. But how many CT heats, heats have they surfed? How many None. moments in the element have they lived? They don't know what the None. fuck they're looking at. They're merely fans. It, it freaks me out. Our so, sports run by fandom. So if they are fans, they have a favorite surfer. Yeah, and when do. that favorite surfer paddles out, how could they not be biased? They're totally biased. Don't so give a fuck who if, you say you are. If they do what you're saying that they do, where it's based on five disciplines, in theory, you could pull people in who have never seen surfing before in their lives. Kind of. And they could come in and go, here's the criteria. Kind and of. And I could judge that that would be amazing. Well, look, if we could make it that and skateboarding, they had to quantify aerials. Amplitude, degree of difficulty, style. Super simple. Yep. So I, to me, the problem as a competitor I always saw was that they wanted that control. They want to play God up there, and there's always an agenda. Let's eliminate that bullshit. To me, yep. personally, like all competitors should, like, I want to beat the whole field. That's why that shotgun start is fun. I come here to beat everybody. If I'm coming to Fiji or come to somewhere to get barreled at G-Line, I want to be the standout guy and beat everyone from day one. Yep. I want to earn that right. Like a golf like a golf tournament, the cream should rise to the top. Give me three rounds because one round is not enough for any competitor. Right. You know, like give me, th you know, three days. Give me a morning start, a midday start, and an afternoon start. That way I can't be envious of anyone else's start. Have three tiers, right. A, B, and C group. 
you know, the first day, one, heats one through four, you're tier A, you're the first guys in the water, first four hours, you know, or whatever it is. Just mm-hmm. come out with a fair, and it might not always work that way because swells and conditions are different, but if you had knowing that there's no bias, well, knowing that there's no bias, and like I said, there's three tiers, you get three times and three groups. Just so happened that last day, group C got it good. That's nature. Yeah. I'm not going to go against that. Right. I had my first shot because if I, if I got that session in group A in the first day, so be it. Yep. So I just think it, it needs to be laid out better with nature and, and, you know, unfortunately, back in the day, my dad told the the athletes they should start a union. We should be in control as surfers. We should say when we go, how we go, and how we're scored. Surfers are never that smart. They got talked. They're dumbed down. You can't well, do this. You they know, also this and that. view each other as competitors, so it's hard to union up with your. Well, my my uh, my other mention to them was was like, hey, it should be like a, a uh, what is that system when you got to go into court when you're on a jury and you don't want to be. Oh yeah, civic duty. It's kind your of. civic duty to go do that. So, in pro surfing, we should have a civic duty. Like you should know that all as if you're on the tour, you're going to be judging six heats a year, whether you like it or not, and that's your civic duty to professional surfing to help guide it. Interesting. And that that was just a thought, and because my dream was that our sport should be guided by Tom Carroll should be judging power, Martin Potter should be judging X factor errors. Um, um, Mark Richards should be judging technical side. Our sport should be guided by legends that actually did it. So when you come in from a heat and go, fuck, I kind of bogged in that. And you know, hey, Tom, Carol, why did I get a four on that wave in power? He goes, Kilo, well, you actually suck. You want to know? I'm like, okay, thanks. I can take it from you, Tom. Mm-hmm. You're, you're the power dude, and you're going to give me that time, and you'll break it down for me at the, after that heat or any time I need it to. And I can trust you what I'm saying that, yeah, I mm-hmm. pretty much sucked, and you're going to have the video to back it up. So. Yeah. I think the sport evolves that way. Like I said, in this fandom way, like guys playing God up there that never did it, deciding whether it's a six six seven or six six eight, that doesn't do anything for the sport. Yeah, it's wacky. It's terrible. Uh, let's talk about board building. <laughs> <laughs> um, I see all these twin fins or fish that you're doing, and what's interesting is, I think your dad is the creator of the swallowtail, right? I don't know if the creative creator, but I think I don't know. If Pioneer he's one of the for first sure. Guys doing it. I mean, maybe he's that's his design. I don't know. Yeah, among but others, this stuff's weird. You know, I mean, people get so weird about this stuff. I was the first to do it. I did three fins before two. It's like, whatever. I don't know. I mean, it if it's for him to claim and it's there written in history. And he, I think, Pop said he even did it by mistake. Whether he's really cutting this or that out, or maybe he dropped the. the saw or something like i think it was even done by mistake either the not this thing but i think the swallow so that's hilarious not really because he said he swallowed studied what bird moved the fast could make the fastest turns exactly too. so i think there was some stumbling along too there but i don't know but a I, lot of the twins you're doing like the modern twins mm-hmm. are actually bat tail right not no my fishes are bat tails if you want to call them that okay so i was so, going to ask you what do you call them i, I, I don't, don't have know. a word for it either because okay. i mean guys call them bat but that's not even my design that's just two lumps you know what i mean it's surface spatial elimination it's it's surface area elimination all right so, talk me so, through it so if i was to draw this huge swallow on there and i want to eliminate that swallow i mean if i could draw paper for you, you just start connecting the dots and you, you're getting it's getting rid of foam so there's pretty much four options back there <laughs> a swallow the bat tail a round tail and a diamond tail and you're all talking smidgy widgies within an inch or three quarters or nothing much. But what I wanted to get rid of was that swallow being engaging that extra three or four inches that kind of come off. So if you go bat, if you cut it into a bat instead of that swallow coming down here, 
I just thought that was an elimination of inches and elimination of surface area that would create pivot, which it did. And, you know, the thing is the first boards, I've seen it on a lot of boards, but the first board that's become really popular on was that Tomos Sci-Fi, you know, I think. And Tomos put his time, Daniels put his time in with all his research and, you know, all that stuff in the in the bottoms and the halls. And I think, I think it, I'm not sure what it's founded off. I read it pretty quickly, but whether... You know, he broke it down to a mathematical algorithm or what well, I don't know like I said he went pretty deep into what, what or why it all tied into his design I can tell you that it's not nothing like that at my end of it you know it's basically just <laughs> getting rid of foam and drawing lines on the tail and board and you know. so the idea is to have still a wide planing surface but eliminate a lot of the foam so a, that you can actually a little engagement the a little rail engagement I think that little hook was staying that that rail line is so straight and so long that that yeah it's great and created speed but if you can't if you couldn't redirect it that speed wasn't very fun it was just it was directional speed gotcha. it wasn't fun to change direction or pivot so modernizing that board has been fun you know foiling it put adding concaves moving the fin up and like i said what i think i got out of it and where we're at right now holy crap it's fun really um really fun um i'm so surprised that i can't get off it it's my funnest board right now and, and i've been on that wing twin for years because that's been fun so to have an evolution of fun and then to see the resurgence and the popularity of the fish and the twin fin right now like dude everyone in the industry builds a twin fin that's rad it's so cool mm -hmm. it, it, you know it, it, i love it yeah i love it and i think people's minds are open because once you jump on one and you can kind of figure it out and you figure out that it's really fun and you can have it work for you the speed and it kind of can come along with you now because before a while there was very almost too skittish and loose with that really sharp down rail super thick you know they're kind of i don't know and, and for that little arrow they're kind of almost uber sensitive yeah for for twin fin and these are i think are a little more forgiving they're coming off of a, everything we've learned off a of modern high performance shortboard so it's much more um user friendly i think in a sense how do you define that style of board high performance fish or I, I don't know how to, to, to label that or, or group them you know in on my website I'm, I'm learning how to do this but I, I, I call a fish in the grouping of fish and I'm trying to educate people and stay true to what the design is because there's so much stuff out there in garb like this is the peanut butter and jelly like <laughs> where if it you know it's nice to educate someone like I find if my so I have like four versions of the fish right now and I want to group them in the way that it's a fish it comes from a retro fish from my retro fish, I cut the thing off and went to a bat. It came to a contemporary fish. From the contemporary fish, I went to a modern fish when I got even rid of more more hips in the back. And then now that's finally evolved to the last fish, uh, element one, one. I called it element 115. It's a round-tailed fish now because I, I don't think I can push that fish any further, personally. And you might go there, but I've eliminated enough surface area in the tail where I don't know where that design can go. We went from swallow to bat to round tail. To, so like I said there's there's no more really surface area to play with back there as far as eliminating if I go to a pin pin tail I, I don't know it'll look funky it'll look like a teardrop it'll be fine but I like I said I'll get so far away from the design and I think the foundation of it that you might as well just ride a performance round I, pin so each of those uh, progressions that you're talking about are basically making them more high performance yes and they're guided through feel and if we want pivot and we're pushing good surfing and good waves, 
and you want your board to come along with you, why not have the design come along with you? Yeah. Why not eliminate that little foam and, and give you the feel you want behind the surfing you want to do? Uh, why is it still defined as a fish in your mind? Is it because it's a twin fin? Because it's the foundation of fish, the rocker, the, the width in the nose. Everything is a fish about it, except for just eliminating, changing the tail from a swallow to a round pin, basically, or a round tail. Contours and rails are all the same? Same. Okay. Or as much as can be. Of course, it changes a little as far as width, but same, same, same. And that's being respectful and true to the design, like I said, without trying to reinvent something that's already good. The foundation of my des- design is a base, and how I evolve that, how far I take it, is the challenge, I think, of most shapers and designers now. Yeah. You know, because this, 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 these programs scale for you now before when you, you used to have to knowledge and skill to scale. These kids' boards were super hard to make back in the day. Everyone can pu- push a button and shrink it to four four. Right now, you know, so it's. <laughs> Art, uh, tell me the story of how that Slater riding your boards in a CT event last year came to be. Hmm. That well, I don't know. I mean, we were talking, and I asked him how his boards were. Um, we surfed one day in front of his house. A couple two years ago two winters ago and, and um i was just checking out the stuff in his yard and asking him about his his layups and his flex and what he thought and how he was happy if he was happy with it going into to the season and he goes i'm he said he was pretty content with it and, he, and I, I just asked him if there's any any spot that he'd like to try or feel that he'd like to try and get that he wasn't getting and so we, it just came from a conversation and it was mostly maybe a little small boards and enjoyment because everything in the line was kind of you know geared for i don't i don't know how to say it but in a in a performance sense even though tomo's stuff is pretty out of the box so um i i think what he was writing on tour at the time was still pretty standard and basic as far as maybe that gamma model he had i think it was just a bump wing squash so I don't know. We're just, we're just playing around. It just came from a, a conversation, and what made it so interesting, I think, for us was that what I made from is so far away from what he rides, or has been on the. So so I, his business, his his product and his business model is the poly boards, right? Because they're they're moving into a more eco-conscious product, supposedly. Okay. I thought his model in business was EPS epoxy. It is EPS. Yeah. 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 Oh, you I, just, I, I, I thought you just said I'm so sorry. I no, meant okay. I meant EPS. Yeah. 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 So, um, and I have never glassed the EPS board, so I don't know how to mix it. And I know that you know you gotta have racial this, racial that, time this. I've never <laughs> wanted to wait because I'm really impatient. Right. Right. <laughs> and I, I know how poly works. I grew up with poly. You know. So since I trusted poly and I knew poly, and I was I was confident with what I would give him and have a good understanding. I was able to give him me, which was just a regular poly blank but glass pretty light so there's some stuff there that he was getting i think as far as feel and pop that was pretty refreshing to him considering when you're coming off of eps the core is so light that you have to build the rigidity and the strength in it in the layup and i think when you start with a good core in poly i didn't need to do that i could put a single layer of s cloth top and bottom and come out with a pretty darn lively that's what i ride you know and they're, they're they don't they don't they're not durable oh the liveliness and the pop and and this spring and load you get out of it is is pretty amazing and so a lot of people were pretty hyped up on oh my god he looks good and this and that and and you know they're 
pretty much overanalyzing it. I go, hey guys, he's he's got a lot of things going on. He's pretty healthy. You know, he's been a long road back to being healthy. He's pretty happy. He's a little inspired, and the boards might be just coming along with that too. You know, so it's just good timing. So, but I also tell people, it's probably a flex characteristic and pattern that he's very comfortable with and knows his whole life. There's no no unknown. When you get on an EPS, there's a lot of unknowns. Did we nail the layup right? Was it right for this blank? Did this blank have a stringer? Did it have an HD stringer? Did it have two layer bottom, two layer top? Or did it have one layer bottom, two layer top? Like I said, there's so much freaking equations to get right with EPS that to me, that's like a that's like juggling and not knowing what you're gonna come out with. I don't wanna take that luxury going into anything with Kelly. So I try to give him the best of what I could do at my knowledge. And so that's why guys are kind of freaked out. How come he's writing poly? I go, hey, that's all I know. And, and only now we're giving him some EPSs because luckily in my factory now, the guy next to me, he's a 30-year guy and he does all the EPS. So I've been able to learn. I'm not, I still haven't done it. I still haven't learned, but I, I have someone I trust and, and that we can quantify what we're doing. Now when I give Kelly a board, I know exactly what that layup is. So we have a, we have a foundation and we have somewhere to get to and go now instead of going, oh, here we go, let's try it. I, I'm such a little guy. I don't have the luxury of affording giving Kelly eight or 10 boards. Hey buddy, let's play the numbers game. Why don't you tell me which one board out of 10 works? I can't do that. So I have to put a lot of thought into what processes we're going through and make sure that like I try and hit it out of the park the moment it's in his hands. I don't have time to waste. He doesn't have time to waste. You know, So there, there's a lot of thought going into it before you let it go even where we're at now, his first EPSs are coming through and stuff. So it's, it's, it's really fun to evolve and wanting to grow with him for his needs and for his wants for his business model. And to be able to offer that is going to be fun and grow and learn with it. Did you know he's going to ride those boards in a heat? He, yes and no. He told me he really liked one. He said he'd probably ride it if it was small. You know, and that was pretty cool. And then to for Karamas to be small throughout the event and him to kind of stick with that board was really fun, you know, because I've, I've done a lot of boards for a lot of friends and they've ridden them, but I told him, wow, man, I haven't been that engaged or connected to an event in a long time. You know, yeah. it's easy. It's fun. We always cheer for Kelly, you know, forever. He's been our friend, but um, to make my friend a board and for the um, platforms to be so big and so visible and then to get so much support from from friends and commentators on the WSL that it was really semi-overwhelming, you know? So, but I like to think that those, it's pretty cool because are those are also years of relationships that I have with those guys. And, it, and to me, it was just a, a, a great um, acknowledgement and a nice sign of respect. And I really appreciated that. It was pretty cool. So what did it do for your business? Oh man, it overwhelmed me for a bit here. Um, it, you know, I was already busy before as a custom board builder, but now the, the inquiries internationally is, is definitely quadrupled, you know, so. <laughs> really? Yeah, for That's sure. That's intense. Yeah, and then, well, I haven't had a, I haven't had a website in a long time. I'm pretty, I'm pretty hard to find. I'm pretty mellow and low-key, and um, I haven't had a website, you know, and then this Instagram thing is gnarly nowadays, you know, I mean, I, I didn't shape I didn't shape for a while. I mean, after what I shared earlier about about the lifestyle change after and then the separation, I walked away from shaping f for two years. What? Yeah, and um, I did um, I did carpentry. I did um, finish carpentry. Wow. Just because my mind wasn't there in shaping, I told friends and customers like, "Hey, I don't have the energy and I don't have the mindset right now. In fact, it's pretty shitty. My mindset and energy, and I don't want to put that into your board. So I I would recommend you getting a board from someone else." <laughs> And they understood. I go, hey, I got some stuff going on in my personal life where 
I don't want to transfer that into my art form, my energy, and I can't, and I'm not even shaping right now. I'm not, I wasn't even making boards for myself. So, yeah, that was, that was a process to get through. Well, let just me dig into that, just if you don't <laughs> mind, and you don't have to explain what was going on, but how did you get out of that time? Do you, this conversation, by the way, comes up on the podcast pretty regularly about um, struggles with either depression or substance use and uh, healthy it, it, coping mechanisms to get through things. It wasn't substance for me, luckily. Um, it was, it was, there's definitely bouts of depression when you go through a separation. I lost, you know, my, my son moved to New York and he lives there still, but it just, yeah, I mean, I think, I think you see so much stuff in the world right now and you see so many people lashing out and you see people blowing up. But unfortunately, I don't think we get to see what drives those people there. There's so much pain and hurt that unfortunately, I think those people just walk the line and end up um, reacting. You know, I, I know a lot of dads out there that are going through similar things I am that have a lot of hurt. And I'm lucky because I'm able to pour that into my work and I have an outlet and I'm trying to turn into something positive. I'm trying to stay present and positive. But, oh boy, there's a line to walk and you can see where the dads or other people will cross that line and not come back. And you see shitty stuff in the news where, where you know, like, I mean, and then, like I said, you see all the bad stuff, but you not once do you hardly ever see the interview, sit down with that poor person and go, what led you to this breaking point? Exactly. They go, well, let me tell you, I haven't seen my kids in four years. I lost my job. I have no income. Yada, yada, yada. And goes, and a lot of it, those guys have regular stories. They're not all, I just drink beer and beat my wife up. You know I mean? Of course, that's not cool. But I mean, like some of these guys really were pushing a super difficult position. And you either find a way out of it and you work your way through it or it can eat you up too you know so some of these guys get eaten up because they don't have the support and direction and motivation or outlet what what was healthy for you i know akila is on a roll here but a quick interruption i've mentioned in two previous episodes that because of some of these mental health conversations or really they're just real life conversations that we've been having on the podcast we were approached by betterhelp.com who can provide guidance and resources for anyone you know who might benefit from counseling or therapy. The inconvenience of going to a doctor, any type of doctor or therapist, and the expense involved is a huge barrier of entry for most people. So BetterHelp solves those problems by making therapists available all through our primary methods that we now use to communicate, text, messaging, FaceTime, etc., and you can do it all from your sofa on your own timeline. It's available worldwide, and you just fill out a questionnaire on their website, and then they'll connect you with one of their 6,000 U.S. licensed therapists, and you can be in your first session within 24 hours. So this isn't a crisis line. It is real therapy available in your home, and um, I really appreciate them sympathizing with our little surf world to discuss this thing that rarely seen discussed in surfing throughout most of uh, the time that I've been interested in it. So BetterHelp is offering you 10% off your therapy by using the promo code SURF, that's the word SURF, or just go to betterhelp.com slash SURF, and then when you check out, use the promo code SURF. It's a brand new way of doing therapy. It's sustainable for the user because it's a more affordable and convenient paradigm great service and resource. So I hope that it helps. Um, and if you don't need it, maybe you can pass it along to somebody who might betterhelp.com slash surf. Use the promo code surf, save 10%. All right, let's get back to Aquila. Thanks. What, what was healthy for you? Time. 
um, it took me years to get through it yeah. a long time um, and I'm lucky and I, I lost my ass financially through that time yeah whatever I better losing financially than losing my life so you know to get through that stuff depression you know you get when you get hit emotionally physically financially in every way I think <clears throat> it's a rebuild process I don't know are there any other way to look at it did you um have physical outlets that stimulated serotonin like that? yeah yeah do you I, have therapy i do think we, friends and we, we all have that it's just how willing are you to use those outlets and how much are those outlets really helping you so i i know time helped me i needed the time to get through things i had to a lot of self-reflection i had to forgive myself i had to understand and grow from them from the mistakes i made and, and want to be better and then want to i don't know even that right there saying grow from the mistakes i made is showing that you're culpable that you have some responsibility in it where a lot of other people i think don't take responsibility for it too. so that's, that's already a step denial in right i mean that's yeah. only saying that that problem doesn't exist and you're not going to exactly. get better through it if you can't acknowledge it so yeah i i, I there was outlets i we i did go to therapy you know a couple therapy we tried you, you, we're willing to try anything when it comes to that point if you're willing to save your family so i i i you know i look through what friends are going through now <clears throat> and i really hope that they can put their best foot forward because knowing that i didn't and that i could have done better for my partner that that you know that's the stuff you have to learn from that's the hardest yeah you know because you don't get that chance again a lot of times yeah. it's too late when they're gone right so i tell my friends if it's in front of you and it's on your table you try and get through it the best you can because it's still an opportunity to get through it when it's when it's gone and you don't have that opportunity i don't care how much you want it it's irrelevant you know mm-hmm. so so yeah i know yeah it took me a long time to get through to process that thing. well i'm glad to hear you talk about it because um the one thing that comes up whenever this conversation we have this conversation on the podcast is people say how important it is just to talk about it you know, like it's sure. it's shameful when you're going through it, and so you keep things. It's not really shameful. It's life. I just think maybe Good, people it, too it much should have, be shameful. I think people have too much pride because yeah. more people are going through this than they Everybody like to admit. Every fucking is. Instagram is rad because everyone's out this fake perfect world. Right. That to me, it's a bunch of bullshit. So I think this is real, and I think more people are real if you can be real. It's just how willing are they to be real? Yeah, exactly. Um, so kind of coming back to the building boards uh has fire or is kelly slater designs approached you about doing an actual model yes or what are your thoughts on that and are you going well to be honest i i've i've um i'm working with kelly and we're gonna hopefully come out with a model this summer so what we're working on right now are all prototypes i presumed that there would be in the pipeline based on the well, success of those boards we're hoping so i mean but it's still kelly and his thing and 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 I, i'm honored to be a part of a part of his his little his little world and and i don't know it's, it's pretty it's pretty it's i don't know it's crazy to see how how things have changed in this industry right i mean as a board designer and, and a board brand owner as a surfer it's pretty unique yeah you know so it's I don't know have you gotten any pushback from the industry about making that move i haven't announced it yet and i am sure i will get it i i have i have one friend that got in my ear um joel tudor but joel's in everyone's ear about everything 
And totally. if I didn't respect him as a friend, I wouldn't listen. So yeah. So, but he he's got responsible for his actions too. He's got vans that are made in China too, and he, he's paid by a company that their products made in China. So totally. Let's just be real. Like yeah. I said, you know, and then to me, Joel, we're selling in. We have family and mouths to feed. I want to retire in ten years. Yep. Well, so what's behind the decision for you? Um, I think any reasonable person can understand that the business, the surfboard business, is growing especially with the Olympics, with wave pools, with all this stuff. Well, let me make a symbol for you. I'm no dummy. It's a distribution. That's what we're going for. Yeah. I'm a little guy. If Firewire is doing 30,000 boards a year, you think I don't want a part of that distribution? Right. Pfft. I'm not afraid to say it. It's business. One-on-one. I would sign with Amazon right now if I could. A- anybody out there listening, business guys, I want to make that link. I'm a little guy. If Amazon can deliver my board to the door for me if you're Amazon Prime and your board will be delivered to door through that system oh that'd be amazing so well, I want to live in the future I'm a businessman you know like oh you know oh I only make boards I only deliver it hand to hand I only touch it with hands like then that means you're living in the past and you're not evolving as, as a businessman you think Ferrari and BMW worry about that they're too busy making awesome designs and replicating it and giving it to you yeah. time and time again do you, uh, as a guy, though, who has made your living that way up until now, do you have any consternation or concern about no, that new business model no, undercutting no, the old business no, model? No, because I plan on servicing my people and my customers even better. So will it take away from anything I see and done? No. Um, I'm so overwhelmed with the work I have already. I I can barely service the people. I, I can't even make those boards for those people in the world in the places those boards are traveling to anyway. Physically, why would I be dumb to think that? Personally, so so. I think there's a time and a place for a product like that, and the way their business model is set up with their marketing and distribution, it's it's a wonderful asset to have and work with. So, if it only strengthens and brings awareness to my brand and my customers I don't see it being bad in any way it's not going to stop my performance and my team in our factory from doing any better of a job on the boards we're doing for the people we're doing it for right pretty simple so um, if that comes to fruition those boards are obviously made in EPS and epoxy in a certain construction Mm -hmm. what do you use uh, for the boards that you make for customs what are your preferred materials here in Hawaii yeah I like poly because I know it and we're pretty happy with what we're getting. But, you know, it, it'd yeah. be nice to really know how much greener EPS is in, in percentage or in comparison to, to poly, because I'm sure they're saying it's a little more, you know, friendly and a little... Yeah, and it is recyclable, but I don't think a lot of people are recycling those boards. That No, none of the you boards know? are getting recycled. Exactly. And none of the resin that's going on the ground is getting recycled. Exactly. So, yeah. Even though it can be. It nobody's actually be. doing it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what other shapers are you excited about? Is there anybody around that whose boards you're looking at that are interesting to you? Or even on Instagram, maybe you haven't Dude, seen Dude, I'm so consumed by my world that I have barely time to look. But I, I am aware and I dig a lot of people's work. I, there's this guy, Corey, Corey Graham. Yeah. Torquay. Super cool designs. Super rad. They does most of his stuff by hand still. All his templates. All his stuff. Just really respectable. Really grinding hard. Um, Really neat that... You know, and then I have friends like Matt Kinoshita. That's just 
he's got a b- amazing following, you know, and community, and, and he's very technical and really sharing, you know. So I love that part of it. I love his tutorial videos on Instagram, and he puts them on YouTube as yeah, well. And, he and seems to be like nothing is proprietary. Let me help you. Well, which is an amazing policy. And I think that comes from he really honors my dad with his foundation and why that is. My dad was very open with our trade. Anybody could come in and pretty much learn anything if you asked nicely. And that's the beauty of our trade was that there was no school, so you had to kind of go through those channels. Yeah. Um, and Matt has that foundation and that technical foundation. He has that knowledge, and the fact that he's willing to share so openly is beautiful. So besides the academy we're trying to grow and build, I'm also trying to grow and build a trade school first really? trade school and we want matt to be one of obviously our teachers or our what do you call it you know um he he and i spoke to him about it i go hey matt you're already doing it you know Mom, we should be doing this in france we should be touching them physically going hey you know so that they, we can come into a factory and and he also has the competitive knowledge of coaching too you know so he's yep he he could and be he's a great surfer yeah he could be he's a great asset to our art to everything that we're trying to do so we, our goal is to work with people like him who have the knowledge and credentials and almost just need this channel or outlet to gather basically the people to go show the people these are the services we're providing you know and they're pretty legit you know yeah. we're not just throwing shit out on instagram going hey check us out surf coaching for your kid groovy you know like the, uh one of the problems in california i'm curious if it's the same here with uh the board building industry is that there's no young kids coming up to backfill it so funny you see that not just the industry so so i forgot to say this when i was shaping but for a while there i think i was the youngest and only shaper in this industry for a little bit it was kind of baffling so now you got like what tyler warren ryan birch andrew doheny and you got a ton of younger shapers finally finally which is great not a ton really but some but for a while there there was like zero one hand dude you know like no you know you can name all the dudes coming up on one hand so pretty cool to see that a bunch of kids are diving in there and really respectful that some of them are doing it organically you know trying to get the templates and and planers and going about it the right way and then you know because everyone's a designer now all you do is buy shape 3d and everyone can draw pretty lines and make perfect boards yeah and be great copies so yeah you know there is a huge gap also like you said in in the labor That's part of I things coming in industry yeah i hear that from all the factories we well, have the problem here because even those guys they're posting Instagram shaping boards, but they're not posting Instagram sanding or laminating. Let so me much. tell you why. There's no glory in that. Oh, I so want to be the, the shaper. Problem. Check me out. I'm the cool guy. Let that's me let me wave this wand and make you though. cooler too, because I can help you rip. Like what? Do yeah, you guys I mean? have laminators coming up? Are there young no, guys sanding? No, we, we need them big time. Yeah. We, we need more. That's There's what a your huge academy, gap. Your well, academy the trade help. school exactly. Yeah, the trade school can help. It's, well, our trades between the trade school and 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 the surfing academy. If we can't engulf you in both of those academies, uh, you're lost. Yeah. There's business there. There's boards to be made there. There's art to be made there. There's technical. You could be a technical coach. There's so many avenues under hopefully these. What we're trying to build here, like I said, like I'm inspired by how my dad tried to get these kids and provide not just one direction for you. Let's try and provide five. Mm-hmm. You know, like I said, instead of you thinking you need to be on the street and you need to hustle, let's let's if you got an art form, let's put you in the art department. You're technical. Let's teach you how to cut in glass. You know what? What? How can we provide a platform for you? Because not all kids are going to be great at surfing. Right. You know, then one kid might be this business numbers genius. Hey, let's put you in the business to strategy development part department. Go, buddy, go. Yeah. You know. So I think it's 
it's delegating and micromanaging a little finding that talent and then putting providing that that path for those kids and watching them yeah. watching them excel because i think a lot of those kids are in shitty environments they only talk down to you suck you can't do this you can't be this and i'm not fucking supporting you that's terrible yep so i was lucky my parents are pretty damn cool you know I, I told my mom that what i wanted to do and i got supported you know so so i th- my formula in our coaching environment is all positive reinforcement there's no jumping down your throat there's no yelling that's just not in me as a person if you're not motivated to come and learn and get something out of this then don't waste your time or my time right you know but i mean i, I, I can't, i'm not the poker prada rah rah guy you know and and but there will be mentors in our program There'll be, there'll be many counselors for you to find that if need be. You can find it in the books and the teachings we're teaching. You should be able to find it in, in you know, we should have mentors that can teach you how to speak or, or cause you're gonna have to do it and look in the camera at some point. And if you're not comfortable now, we're gonna try and help you get there. Yeah. That's, that's the idea is, you know, like I said, find all weaknesses and turn them to strengths. So kind of fun, like I, I said, I look mm-hmm. forward to help cause this isn't just all on me. My knowledge is surfing and coaching and strategy. I'm not pretending to be that counselor of, you know, of all the other counselors. We need to get them under the roof and provide, provide those services for the kids. Yeah. Um, I know you're busy with your boards that you're building and testing and stuff, but do you ever ride other shapers boards? I do. I love trying all kinds of stuff out there. And when I was on the tour poking around, I, I was very fortunate to, to to try many other people's boards like i said when i went to california i ordered a few boards from al just because and he didn't trip on it i didn't trip on it. i was stoked that he let me buy boards from him yeah. and it wasn't like i was trying to steal anything or gather anything it's just it, it was coherent he was it was there it was you know it was it was what was going on at the moment so if everyone if all my competitors are riding it and there's something there I, they can't have an edge on me in any way i need to like make sure that if that's the same tooling and equipment comes down to me not the tooling and equipment so sunny was riding them everybody on tour was riding owls you know at some point in california the california lega stuff and you go to france and um i forgot what there was and you go to japan you know um the daisuke nakamura's dad who was doing um chp at the time he would do a bunch of sports so yeah i I, i'm i think being open-minded and trying a lot of other stuff is fun and that's where you you learn things good and bad yeah and I would think it would inform your your own work. Yeah, you get a lot of you get a lot of um, feedback from feel instead of opinions. You don't yeah. need to look at something and say anything about it. You can feel it and right. what it does for you in the water, good and bad. And even even then, after riding it, good and bad, it, it might not be for me, and it might be someone else's magic board. So even then, it doesn't need to be chopped down or dissected a whole lot from the design being what it is. Yeah. So, uh, what's your pops up to now? Pops is pretty chill right now. Pops has had a very rough couple years health-wise. He con- contracted sepsis in the hospital and almost, almost went. You know, we almost lost him. So he's gone through some pretty radical, holy cow, radical times here in the last two years. And is he on Oahu? He's in the Big Island. He's slowly oh. recovering. He's retired. He's he lives there with his wife and real quiet and yeah, it's been it's been tough for us, you know. So it's it's pretty gnarly watching your alpha family everything go from that to to struggling to not you know i'm lucky that he's alive and we're just lucky that my son has a grandpa you know so so you know life is precious um if we all don't know that already you know and there's been 
this this year has been a pretty rough start for a lot of people and just watching stuff like you know and just the other week like Kobe Bryant and his daughter you know so so for one respecting Kobe as as a competitor is one thing but I tell the friends that I talked to who really dug him like watching his evolution as a father and as a community member is even tougher because that to me is watching a man blossom you know so so watching him be immersed in his daughter's community in the basketball community and then becoming even more valuable to his community than winning world championships i really like watching that evolution as a father and a man and to me it's a bummer because that's when he's truly shining so bright i don't really care about his basketball accolades i mean they're awesome mm-hmm. but to watch his father and his, his his family accolades that's impressive to me to watch a human evolve and that's so that has so much pride and is so self consumed by a sport that you can put that all on the on on the table and leave it behind because you have to evolve as a family member and as a father. Yeah. And that's super inspiring, you know, to watch that evolution of dudes and to watch him fully change and take that role seriously is really really cool because you see a lot of NBA dads they don't they don't exist in their kids' life. So so you know, like I said, for him to be that dude and then to, to leave it all behind and sort of in a sense and really be a father to me that's the greatest loss in that guy's legacy totally agree it's crazy to think of the surviving wife and kids and how to even pick up the pieces at that point i can't imagine it's intense. Dude. i can't imagine so i know um the final question for everybody is just what was the last surfboard that you rode i rode yeah recently the last one you said you've got a back issue that you're dealing with. Are you surfing all the time still? I haven't surfed since September. No way. Holes. And my last board I rode is my fish, my 5.5 five fish, my okay. favorite board. And since I haven't been surfing since September, that board's traveled well. It's been to Kauai, it's been here and there, and it's been to Maui. So it's basically a calling card, right? So it's kind of it's weird. It's a fish. And I didn't think it'd be that rad and fun. And I hate talking boards up and selling it. So I just let people try. Go, hey, just check it out. I'm all, what do you weigh? I'm all, if you're in the ballpark of me, 15 pounds up or down, try it. You know, and then, and I'm surprised I got my board back because most times it never comes back. But yeah. all of my friends would try. Go, holy crap, what is this thing? I'm like, dude, it's a fish. I'm like, that's all it is. But I'm like, how fun is that thing? Though they're like, I'll take one just like it. I'm like, am I right? But you would have never ordered it if you would have never looked at it. You never saw it and you never tried it. Or like, I would have never know that thing could do that or order. So right. it's pleasantly surprising. Yeah. So how tall are you? I'm 5'11". And it's 5'5"? Five 5'5", five? Five five is yeah. my average. Okay. And dude, boards are shrinking nowadays, right? I mean, every, everything's come a little shorter and wider. Yeah. But all those little fishes were back then were 5'3", five, 5'5", five, 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 I think, you know, back when New Wave, uh, Liss, and when it was really that fishy, fishy movement. So I, I don't think that's pretty right standard five 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 six five three is pretty standard yeah. sizes for what was what was going on at the time um uh what's going on with your injury how did it happen and also talk to me talk me through recovery Oof. give listeners advice well how I, not to I, injure I, themselves oh listen to your body um once again uh life lessons at this age um i had a pain in my back when i was in the gym here working out every preseason like we do for the last 25 years you know so just getting in, in preseason shape um putting in some hours with it was with billy kemper and jamie o'brien here at Kahea's gym and you know it's part of our lifestyle to be in there getting your act together before season rolls around you think you're just gonna jump into it but um i was going pretty hard at the time i was surfing long days working long days training hard and and um i had a little pain in my back and 
unfortunately I didn't listen to my body and stop I kept going through it going ah it's just pain I'll work through it it'll go away it got worse to a point where it just got worse and worse and I think I, I had a, uh, a slightly bulged disc telling me to chill out and we we're doing lift twist and compress with sand heavy sandbags which is probably the worst thing to do for a disc which I didn't know obviously know at the time and I pretty much um, um, herniated full herniated my disc myself self-inflicted in the gym you know so that that's, this has been the longest most radical injury i've ever carried if anyone's out there and they know and i chose not to get the surgery you know I'm, i was lucky enough to go to california and see the kramer brothers and get some good advice and they took you know i kind of just asked for a straight up deal and they go hey a year and a half re with surgery and rehab and two years without i go well i'll try the two years you know i mean like you know, and because the, they go on the other end of that in surgery, you know, if we glance your your nerve cord, you're never walking again. I'm like, what's odds on that? They're like, oh, sometimes one in three, one in five. I'm like, what? I'm all, that's, that's not good enough for me. I, you know, I, so I'm like, well, I'm all, <laughs> yeah, man, six six months longer isn't that much longer, right? In the scheme of things, if I can't ever pick up my kid to surf again, right. so um, it it if guys out there know anyone's had a herniated disc knows it's the gnarliest thing I ever dealt with on a scale of one to ten, it's like fifteen, wow. and 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 it's mentally physically emotionally debilitating being in bed f for a year um yeah it it's the toughest thing i've ever dealt with and i'm still coming back from it you know it, be, it beat me up physically financially emotionally and just, just through business through life i mean and and, and I, t I look at my friends now and i see friends going through some shitty stuff and and unfortunately it's a choice of perception where they're going through i go hey dude your back's not fucked up your shit's not fucked up you know like your stuff's not fucked up right now you're choosing to be shitty that's a tough place to be i get it but i mean like imagine where i'm at and where other people are where it's not a choice and it's just a reality of what you're dealing with that'll bring you into you know bring you back real quick if you're in a junk place and if mm -hmm. that doesn't i don't know man you really got some junk stuff going on so as struggling as i was you know, my, my biggest challenge was to say was is to stay positive and present. You know, even till this day with my with my legs still with my injury still going and my sciatica still going. So, yeah, I mean, it's not it's not easy. When do you get to get back in the water? I don't know. Um, I'm moving the best I am now since September. Okay. But after being this beaten up and this down, I'm not in a hurry to be there again. I'm I'm trying to walk before I walk. Okay. So. As soon as I'm able to hold myself up properly, I'll, and I'll start doing very light core exercises. I'll start doing my yoga routine real, real gently. But I'm not gonna. I'm not worried about surfing right now. I just want to have health and be able to to have a light day at work and be able to to swim and play with my son when I see him. Or, or you know, I'm, I'm real basics. You know, I mean, I'm not trying to be an athlete or surf big waves or travel and do a whole so much. You know, I'm, I'm, my main focus right now is building relationships with factories abroad and 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 being able to service interests that we have for boards in, in in countries worldwide so i might be beaten up physically but i'm not not down you know I'm, I'm i'm trying to rise and shine um emotionally and mentally with my business and i'm trying to stimulate myself in other ways so so what i might not be able to get out of surfing in my body right now i'll get it but i'm getting it out of business and and setting up my business with a structure and a foundation where in two or three years it'll be running smoothly where i won't have the stress of oh did this label get on this board did this board get delivered did this board get invoiced and paid for so to have help on the back end with that now for the first time in 30 years is really allowing me 
a, a peace of mind to, to be a, a good shaper, be a good board designer, to have an open line of communication to my customers and to my friends that I'm designing and, and doing board and projects with. So it's, it's a, it, I guess they say things happen for reasons, right? I mean, I, it's the roughest thing I've ever dealt with, but I'm also coming out the other end in, in a better place than I've ever been too. So I'll, I'll, I'll take it. You know, I don't really have a choice. <laughs> no, I'm glad to hear it. <laughs> it is what it is. Glad to hear it. Akila, fascinating conversation. Thank you so much. No worries. Thank you too. Pleasure. A bird with a word came to me. The sweetness of a honeycomb tree. And now I look what's taking over me. Couldn't fake it if I wanted to. I had to wake up just to make it through. I got my patience and I'm making do. I learned my lessons from the ancient rules. I choose to follow what the greatest do. A bird with a word came to me The sweetness of a honeycomb tree And now I look what's taking over me Couldn't fake it if I wanted to I had to wake up just to make it through I got my patience and I'm making do I learned my lessons from the ancient rules I choose to follow what the greatest do I'm ripping for the longest cycle my uncles had to pay the cost. Mm. My sister used to sing the Whitney. Mm. Surfsplendorpodcast.com is where you can see everything that Akila and I discussed. His surfboards, his father's surfing, Akila surfing, other people surfing his boards, surfboard reviews of Akila's boards, everything. Surfsplendorpodcast.com. Thanks so much, Akila, for participating. Um, and then also huge thanks to Birdwell. They made this episode possible. They make heirloom quality board shorts made in Southern California since 1961, but not just board shorts, by the way, I talked about their terry cloth polo that I love a few months ago. They now offer their Baja hoodie in the same terry cloth. So it's plush, warm, it's absorbent. It's almost like a towel or better yet, a luxurious robe, that terry cloth. But um, it's available in the cut of a hoodie, of course, with a kangaroo pocket. So super rad products like that. They're innovative. They make sense for our lifestyle. So I'll link to that specific terry cloth hoodie on my website or just go to birdwell.com and use our promo code, which is the word SURF. You'll save 10% off your purchase. And more importantly, you will support this show. So I can make it to places like the North Shore to interview people like Aquila. Birdwell.com. Quality is their gimmick. Use promo code SURF, and I thank you for that. It was an honor to have this conversation, Aquila. I also hope to purchase a twin fin next time I am out that way. So I'll look forward to that. And then for you, the listeners, I posted a new episode of Spit yesterday with Scott Bass. So go grab that. Uh, Chaz was unexpectedly out of town last Friday, so hopefully we will reconvene this Friday for an episode of The Grit. My name is David Scales, and I'll be back here for another episode of Surf Splendor next Wednesday. But until then, get back into the ocean, share some waves, and shred on. Hey, my little youth is crying. I'm almost home, almost home. Up north with the lions. My fingers to the bone See, I do the best I can mm. Mama was a farmer mm. Papa was a goner